0: This week on the I Love Funny Women podcast, I want somebody to, want to answer my answer my messages. You know what I mean? Like you thought Shonda trying to as a client. You're not answering my right. emails, right? That's not that's not how that works. And, and going to therapy because I needed it, and and still do.
1: Welcome to another episode of the I Love Funny Women podcast. I
2: am Dina Nina. Oh my God, it's so good to be here. I'm Lalita T and I'm already having so much fun. (laughs) You are so cheesy. How Thank you say I love funny women, like you have this enormous grin and it just made me laugh so hard. It's great. It's great to be here, Dina. So I
1: felt like we had to start the podcast really happy, enjoy joy before we get to the really bad stuff. <laughs> oh
2: my god, there's so much bad news. It's yeah. um yeah. Okay. Well, let's do that, Dina. And How about then we- let's let's um let's then you know bring it back up again. How's yeah, that?
1: we'll do that. We'll do that. So before we get started into the heavy shit. <laughs>
2: How was your week? My cast came off. I'm officially a cast-free person. You're a cast survivor. Uh, um but um I have a big ass scar. And uh, I have to tell you, Dina, I mean, I guess I'm just naive when it comes to medicine. And I hadn't Googled any of it because Googling medical conditions is just not smart. It's bad enough being out in the world. I've already like from complete random people heard all these horror stories about how their broken arm um, surgery went wrong. And they had to you oh. know, have their arm broken again and everything like that's just the real world. Imagine being on the Internet. So I hadn't Googled any of this. And so I thought, well, the cast comes off Wednesday, Thursday morning, going to start with a little yoga. Uh, you know, I need to spend some time in Downward Dog. And then I'm going to, you know, bike over to the the, the, the club and, and play a little pickleball. And anyway, I can't do anything for three months.
1: I was like, how did Downward Dog go with your um, ah! atrophy muscles?
2: <laughs> I can't do. Yeah, I didn't realize that that's what happens to muscles. Like, I can't even open the door. But people just in case you feel all sad for me and everything yesterday with my left hand my broken arm hand i flushed the toilet
1: oh congrats i thought you were going to say you masturbated and i was
2: like oh, that's me, yeah. congratulations Muslim. that too because being able to flush the toilet with my left hand what made me so happy i had to go and rub one off after that I, I with both hands <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, how was your week dina
1: Great! I uh, I was able to reconnect with people. I actually ventured out of the house more this week. I I went to a happy hour with a friend, and I went to dinner with another friend. And I'm like, who am I? What am I? How oh, am right. I being social?
2: Especially because it's snowing in Madison, right? Winter has begun,
1: which makes me want to get out more because, like, I know what's coming.
2: Right, right, right. Get it before it's minus a hundred.
1: <laughs> yes, this whole week is going to be in the 40s, so. Oh, nice. I'll be in shorts.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because in the Bay, when it's like 50 degrees, it's like so cold. I think it's the kind of the wet wind coming off the Bay. And so cold hits different here than it does in Wisconsin, for sure.
1: Oh, for sure. Because you're not used to it either there. You know, like you don't get it all the time and. Because
2: people are all used to live in Wisconsin. I'm sure you don't feel it, but I do. Of course, I have to be very kind of macho about it. Like, I'm fine with that. And in the meantime, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so cold. That gorgeous one week in Wisconsin (laughs) where the weather is good and the mosquitoes haven't come yet. And then the rest of summer is fucked up.
1: That's my favorite week of the year.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's the only good week in Madison, Wisconsin.
1: (laughs) What are your plans for the Thanksgiving weekend?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you clearly have not heard my Thanksgiving. I mean, no, you have heard my Thanksgiving joke, but anyway, I won't spoil it. It's I'm going to put on my Instagram probably tomorrow. So by the time this podcast drops, you can go to my Instagram at Lalita D Comedy and see my Thanksgiving joke. uh But what is it that we celebrate on Thanksgiving? Adina. A
1: genocide.
2: Thank you. That is the word I was looking for. Around here, people have put. Okay, I just don't. This country, I don't get it. I mean, it's just. People are putting up like um blow up statues of turkeys. Yeah. Why would you put up a blow up statue of the thing that you're gonna kill and eat? Like what the fuck is the wrong with these people? I just don't get it. I just mm. anyway, um, for Thanksgiving, I will be doing nothing, but I have a little bone, turkey bone, get it, get it? Uh... I have a little turkey bone to pick with FIFA. Uh, who Mm -hmm. run the world cup Um, not a big fan of their choice of location but also the Netherlands are playing Ecuador at eight o'clock Pacific time on Friday. Friday after Thanksgiving is my day to sleep, people. I don't shop. I'm not into it. I don't have relatives to go and see for leftovers. It's my do absolutely fucking nothing day is the Friday after Thanksgiving. And now I have to be awake at eight o'clock in the morning to watch my team play soccer. FIFA, not impressed, not impressed. <laughs>
1: Um, that's that's fair. Um, I celebrate Maybon, which is the pagan holiday Ooh. Thanksgiving, essentially in September. So I don't really celebrate Thanksgiving. <laughs> I may I may hang out with people on occasion because of like it's a family get together yeah. kind of thing, but it's not my my thing. Well, well awesome. I mean, let's now hit let's, the heavy uh, stuff. What do you got? We are recording this on Sunday, so uh, last night there was. Another targeted mass shooting at Club Q in Colorado Springs, and it there were five people dead at, at the time that I, the last time I looked, so um, the numbers could go up. Hopefully they won't, but I blame Republican lawmakers and pastors around this country that are creating an environment where it's okay to go to a bar and shoot up people, and I was thinking about most of my life, you know, I spent every day, every night in a gay bar, you know, so I can't imagine, and, and Madison's so gay friendly, you know, that.
2: Also, but, you're not gay.
1: I know, but I'm trans, so I'm part of the queer culture, I just, you know? I, if
2: there's any men out there listening, I don't want them to think that you're not available to them. I just wanted to point I, that out. <laughs> I wasn't trying to um, uh, be territorial about the LGBTQ plus space, Dina. I, I just need to clarify that. I just felt like, you know, there's some hot single man out there who's really into you. And he's like, oh my God, Dina's gay? No. <laughs> <laughs> She's straight and available to you Male identifying people It is true <laughs> But yes Of but, course yeah. the Queer space is the queer space And it's I wasn't a gay by myself last night Were you? I was
1: It just feels like so gross and heavy And I I am a, uh, i I'm one of those people who watches all the crazy stuff on YouTube so I've been watching all these pastors and, and know coming from that background, coming from a very evangelical, you know, fundamentalist background. I get it. Like I understand and I've seen it. It just drives me crazy. Like I don't, well,
2: that, that, I don't so understand the, it.
1: That's not what he said to do.
2: No, the thought that you would go around killing people in the name of Jesus is that Jesus would not be on board with that.
1: I mean, but he was on board with the, you know, crusades.
2: I don't I, I understand.
1: <laughs> I don't. I was joking. I was. I know you. Like this, I know you it were. just breaks my heart, and and I'm so sorry for these families and the people who are impacted by this. And, uh, this hit a little harder. Just you know, yeah, it hits a little harder.
2: Of course. Well, while Dina takes some moments, um, I just also want to remind our listeners that, uh, in addition to all the violence that we have going on here in this beautiful country and its Second Amendment, which amended already, people. It's called an amendment because it amended something and you can amend it again. It's just like for people that are so, what are they called? Originalists, like they go to the original language. They're they're not too hot on actual semantics, are they? Because why can't you just amend amendments? Anyway, um, I just want to remind everyone that the people in Iran um, are still out there protesting every single day and risking their lives yeah. because being arrested in Iran means the death sentence. Uh, and so I've been reading up on it because it's amazing how quickly things fall off the news cycle. Um, and now you actually have to make an effort to find it. It doesn't naturally come into the feed anymore uh, in terms of the mm. main news networks. Um, and so there's this phrase which means um women, life, freedom, zan Zendigi Azadi. Um, and I just wanted to put that out there. You can follow that um, as a hashtag. Zan, Zendigi Azadi. Um, women, life, freedom. And st- keep up with it, people, because it's still going on. In fact, it's getting worse. But it's just, it feels like we don't have a lot of time. And so we just tune into, you know, the major news outlets or our own particular Twitter feed. Or or I don't know if Twitter still a thing. We'll talk about that. But whatever, social media. Yeah. And, and if people aren't talking about it, it could just escape our awareness. That's not a major character flaw. It's just that we're all busy. You might listen to the news in your yeah. car or whatever. But there's lots of things happening that don't naturally make it into your feed. And you have to be intentional about it. Um, so please do not mm. forget uh, the women and all protesters in Iran.
1: You know, they're still fighting for their freedom and their voices to be heard.
2: It bothers me we have how a space for that the here. World Cup in, in Qatar being such big news now um, as it should be. You know, the framing is very much, you know, the poor women of Iran who don't have freedom to show their hair. And then, you know, the poor women in Qatar who are in this cardi- guardianship, but the poor women of the United States do not have access to abortion. I mean, let's not think that other parts of the world are terrible and we are so good here. There's The patriarchy is fucked up everywhere you go. So also keep looking at home. That's my point. I'll get off my crate now. When
1: one person doesn't have freedom, none of us have freedom. Mm -hmm. When somebody comes into our clubs, our houses, our uh, streets, our stores, our schools... And shoots people or kills them for speaking out or for being themselves, then we need to speak up and start making changes. I don't understand how we can just sweep these things under the rug at this point, you know?
2: Frustration is just, I just like, it's, I feel it like it's visceral. Like there's one country in the world that has these continuous mass shootings and they will not do the fucking obvious, which is restrict access to guns. Are we going into the fun stuff now? Let's go into the. Well, I just I feel there's there's I mean, there's so much sickness in in, in the United States society. Mm. And let's just talk about the disaster of of the Taylor Swift uh, tickets, just capitalism the monopoly of Ticketmaster and Live Nation, but more importantly, Dina, the question that keeps coming up for me when I listen to this news, and it just makes me feel so many feels, why do 4 million people want to go see Taylor Swift? Explain this to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, okay. By no means am I a Swifty.
2: I mean, you're a Minogi and a Swifty at the same time. So I don't feel there's an argument there. You're a Swifty.
1: <laughs> and I've gone back and forth with her. Like, I love her and I hate her. But I, I will tell you that there was something about the Folklore album that dropped that really made me love, listening to music again Uh i remember being younger and listening to music and the different layers and there was something about that folklore album that felt very singer-songwritery not pop right but singer-songwritery and um beautiful to me now that's not saying you don't have to love it like you don't have to but there was something about that album that just felt very emotionally interactive for me
2: beautiful analysis i mean of course i have you can't get away from it i have heard it it plays everywhere Mm -hmm. and i have enjoyed it i mean i think she's a good musician for sure for sure there's no no shade there at all
1: and i love her pop stuff too like i mean it's fun it's bubblegum it's cute it's cute but she always has a perspective and she always tells her side in a way that i think a lot of pop music it's just like Not that way. And that doesn't mean that I don't love it because I love pop music. I love cheesy. I love not thinking and just enjoying a beat, you know? Like, but really, uh, when you, especially that album, especially that album, it just felt so real and emotional and touched me in a way that i i found kind of definitive um yeah
2: i'm gonna listen to it thank you yeah Gina. yeah and listen to,
1: don't listen to it as a as it being a taylor swift album listen to right. it as music because Ooh, i love that it's beautiful it, it, there is definitely something about it that just really m- inspired me and made me love it thank you for letting me dissect my music
2: no i love this that was, that was beautiful i feel that we should go see taylor swift do, we, do you think we can get a ticket do you think we could would you we do i think
1: so i'm in queue i've been in queue for four days now days. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have next lolita
2: oh my god um well i guess we're gonna have to talk uh, about the world cup because uh people my fellow holland supporters uh i have some bad news um so holland is the best team that's never won it right we get to the final we get to the semi-final we get to the quarterfinal and then nothing happens um And I was looking for my Holland shirt yesterday because um, it's kicking off today. Um, I think um, today, Sunday, um, and tomorrow morning is the first Netherlands match. And so I want to be ready with my soccer shirt. And I was looking for it and I found lots of useful things. And I found my son's baby clothes that I kept somehow. And because just in case I'm having another one, you know what I mean? And all sorts of great stuff. Uh, But I didn't find my Holland soccer shirt. And so Mm. I feel... They're gonna lose um this year again, and it's gonna be my fault.
1: It is. It, it's gonna it'll be all your fault. <laughs> this was
2: gonna be the year, Dina. This was going to be uh, the year. And, and you I are making messed them messed lose. It up. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I'm sorry, people.
1: Please, please give her some grace right now.
2: Yes, What oh her God.
1: Let her be in her feelings, and yes. she they're asking the family are asking for their privacy. <laughs> uh, well, I hope for your sake of sanity and emotional support
2: that they win. Thank you, I do too. I do too, absolutely. And then if they do, we can prove that the reason that they lost all those years was because I was wearing my Holland soccer. Shirt. <laughs>
1: You know, this is a scientific experiment. It's
2: science, people. <laughs> Real science Real in the I Love Funny Women
1: podcast. Science. We are <laughs> scientists at work right now.
2: <laughs> well, I'm not looking for my shirt anymore. I'm done because we're in a true experiment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a, I'll be the control. I'll be the control. Love it.
2: Can you explain the Good. offside rule, Gina? Um,
1: anything else? The offside rule. Yeah, it's when when your um, when your top is buttoned incorrectly, <laughs> and you have one side that's off and the other side that's off. That's too. perfect. I love it. that rule.
2: is that is the official. Off- they call it the offsides rule in this country, but that is the official offside rule. Thank you, Gina. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you're welcome. I'm very glad I was able to enlighten everyone. Well, that's all we have for this part of the episode. Um, Let's take a real quick break, and then I will introduce you to our guests for this Thanksgiving week. Really? Did I? I did that. You did that. You're listening to the I Love Funny Women podcast on the Artemis Bow Network. We would love to hear from you. You can give us an email at info at ilovefunnywomen.com. Or you can find us on the socials and tag at I Love Funny Women and at Artemis Bow Network. And now back to the show. And we're back from break. And on Friday, if you are in the Chicagoland area or would like to have a very lovely comedy experience, you can always go to IO Theater at 10:30. So late. 1030 PM. Uh, Friday for the Extra AF Comedy Hour, which is going to have your stories. It's an Extra AF holiday show, and we have a storyteller, Rachel Mason, who's going to be talking about her Extra AF Thanksgiving. We've got Sarah Schmidt and I, who produced the show. And then, of course, we have Sonal Agarwal and Erica Switzer. So it's going to oh, be an incredible show, really what fun. Good lineup. Um, but today's guest, I'm so excited to have. Had the opportunity to chat to this guest. She is a stand-up comedian. She's so funny. She is an actor. She is also a writer and producer on Bob Hart's Abishola. And uh, I, got, I know I got to speak to Gloria Bigelow. So welcome oh to God. the show, Gloria Bigelow. Happy holidays.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, do you have plans for the big turkey day? Do you do turkey day?
0: Um. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. Right now, I'm in Palm Springs. It's my girlfriend's birthday weekend, so we're doing a little golf foursome with friends. So that's what we're doing right now. And then on Sunday, we'll go back, and I'll start cooking on Tuesday. And then we're having um, Thanksgiving at my friend Nina and Gina's house. So.
1: Oh, I love Nina and Gina. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. Nina and the Enos. The Enos. Yes,
1: The Enos. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, congratulations on the fourth season of Barbara Hart's Abishola. Thank you you wow wow so amazing
0: yeah that was a life-changing situation right there yeah yeah
1: um how did that happen
0: so um the enas Nina Inas. and Gina the enas the enas are together uh Nina of the enas is my best friend oh and uh they met in Michigan when i brought Nina as my guest and so they've been together for many years and so when Gina started really meeting with them seriously Nina being the nudgy person that she is said you know like Gloria is a very good writer you know like you should think about you know having her on board and Gina knew me from stand-up she's like oh I only knew that you know she was a stand-up I don't know why I do an accent when I do Gina but anyway she it's weird uh she's like I only knew her as a stand-up and Nina Rose gave her some stuff to read and she's like okay so when it was time for uh, them to start seeing other writers, you know, Gina sent them a bunch of people. And then um, I had a writing sample that I was not in love with. And I was like, I can't let you send them. Just send them a stand-up clip for now. And let me tighten this little joker over here up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so she sent them the stand-up clip. And she was like, out of all the people that I send them that are real writers that have, you know, scripts, they want to see you. So I go and I meet with, um, Alan Eddie at the time who were brought on board to work on the show. And we met at some like little place in Burbank. And I was just talking, I didn't think of it as like an interview. You know what I mean? I just thought we were just like shooting the shit. And I was like, I don't know. I've never been in a writing room. I don't know the difference anyway. So, um, we met and then I went back to my day job at the time I was working at a school and I was like the, the director of diversity inclusion, equity and inclusion. And then I was teaching drama and then I was running like their special programs. So, you know, just like full on, you know, into this stuff in the school world that I'd been in for nine years. And, um, Gina was doing a stand-up show and she said, you know, I feel like, cause I went one day and I went to Warner brothers and I, it was nice. And I met Chuck and Michael Douglas was there in a the bathrobe running around, you know, like it was just like one of those random things. And, um, I went back to my day job and and Gina was like, I feel like if they see you do stand-up, that will really help as well. Mm-hmm. So she was doing a show and I was like, I don't want to mess on your show. She's like, just do what I tell you. And, you know, <laughs> Gina. So I did five minutes on her show. And then afterwards, they were like, You gotta come back to set. Dah, 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 dah. And she was like, See, I told you. Um, so I went back and then I went back to my day job. This was happening over my school spring break, so it was kind of like synchronicity. And then a little, I forgot about it. That was mm-hmm. that. And then I started getting text messages while I was teaching, like, an after school musical theater class with second graders, which sounds Aww. as ridiculous and wonderful as it is. And my phone was ringing. They're like, "Miss Bigelow, your phone is ringing. I was like, you know, mind your business and do not look at my things, you know. <laughs> so afterwards, I looked at my phone and there were, uh, was a call from Isabel, who's one of the assistants. And she said, you know, we'd like to offer you a job as a staff writer which i really did not know what that was really yeah um so i you know did not respond to <laughs> this is fitting. Uh, so i <laughs> so i did not respond and uh because i was like i need to i need help so i called my friend paige and i was like i need um an entertainment lawyer and they gave me like shonda rhimes and her lawyer i was like i don't want this person i want <laughs> somebody's phone and some, uh, Answer my messages. You know what I mean? Like you have Shonda Rhimes as a client, you're not answering my emails, right? That's not, that's not how that works. So my girlfriend gave me somebody that she'd worked with. And, um, I was like, can I, um, can you be my lawyer? I think I might have a job. I don't know. And he was like, okay. Uh, all right. And then he called me back. He was like, you've just been offered a really great, situation Gloria. you're going to be a staff writer at whatever and i had no idea what all of that meant and so yeah that gina changed my life i love it mm-hmm.
1: i love it and you're working with renee watson and, uh, and christine ebersole and, yeah. and shola i yeah. I'm like just
0: you I'm know i'm obsessed with renee I I'm mean, obsessed with Renee and her character's name, Gloria. So she always remembers my name. She's like, yeah, it's my, you know, if someone would be like this, she's like, I know, I know Gloria. That's my namesake on the show. I know Gloria. And so like every chance I get, I'm like, just like, like standing next to her. She'll <laughs> just right. go around and be like, I miss Renee. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. She's like- what a, what an incredible gig
1: to just fall into your lab. I mean, yeah. and, and that's not to say that because you've been in stand-up. you've been in the yeah. game for a long time. Yeah. I remember meeting you at laugh factory, um, at the beginning of my career. Okay. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, she's so funny. And then I met you and you were just so warm and kind and, I felt like I was in the presence of like the mother of all, you know, like that. <laughs> like it was, it was just this wonderful presence.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: So your success couldn't have happened to a better person. I feel, and it was just uh, so thank beautiful. Thank you very like, much. Yeah. It's been
0: very, um, you know, like <laughs> my therapist was like, um, "Well, you see, like, because you you know when you're you're doing the thing, and you know you're." I was like working at a school, you know, yeah. 45 hours a week. And I was managing an apartment building because LA ain't cheap. And then I was trying to do stand up at night, you know, and, and going to therapy because I needed it and and still do. And um, I was saying at the time, like, I don't want to have to have this big dramatic, like I'm leaving and I don't know what I'm going to do next. And he was like, you know, you could just ask the universe to have like, a nice bridge to your next thing. Like, it doesn't have to be like, you know, all dramatic, like, you know, like I'm quitting my job and I'm not gonna know how I'm gonna feed myself tomorrow, but I'm gonna do it for my art. He was like, you can just ask for like a bridge to the next thing that doesn't have to cause you trauma and drama and that's kind of what happened.
1: I love that. Yeah. And it's so woo woo and I'm it on is- bored. I'm- I'm-
0: There's uh, there's a fair amount of woo that goes on over here, but yeah.
1: I love that woo. And I think the more I, the more people I meet in the, Mm -hmm. in the artist industry, like we feel like there's always something that's guiding us to greater and better or we're not paying attention to the signs is, has that always been something that you've just been part of your internal compass
0: um, I don't know if it's always been a part of it, but it definitely has uh I think concentrated a little more in the last five to seven years of my life, you know, and I've become more deliberate about trying to create uh the life that I want, the path that I want. I've just been more I mean, you know, it's it's sound it's gonna sound like it's gonna sound like I know how it, it, it don't think like, oh she don't know how she sounds I know how I sound. Okay. But like, you know, I was doing those, you know, morning, my um, morning journaling, you know, where I would do like my gratitudes, like, and just listing the things that I was grateful for and um, doing the things like, you know, wouldn't it be, you know, just typing. This is like my morning routine, probably my morning routine. I would like journal and then I would go into gratitudes and then I would go into these things. would be like, wouldn't it be nice if blah, 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 blah. Wouldn't it be nice if this? And one of the things I had was like, wouldn't it be nice if I had a job that made X amount of money? Wouldn't it be nice if I had an office? Wouldn't it be nice if I was part of a team? Wouldn't it be nice if um, people valued my sense of humor? Wouldn't it be nice if my point of humor, like all of these things? Wouldn't it be nice if I felt like, you know, fun and powerful at work? And wouldn't it feel nice if I like walked into an Like I had all these things and I would do this every morning, right? Mm. Just like these. Wouldn't it be nice? And I talked to my therapist about it. He's like, it's so interesting because I'm looking at the things that you said that you wanted. And I'm I'm seeing that you were able to line yourself up with that vibration and bring them to you. So uh, it, it sounds real woo, but I I mean I know that like I was not in that situation many years before that, and I know that I was busting my butt at you know all three jobs, and I know that I was asking and trying to line myself up with something different.
1: Mm, yeah. Uh, so I've heard a bit of your story on because research um, <laughs> Cause about you your how, job. Well. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs>
1: sometimes yes.
0: <laughs>
1: um, and I loved when you were when you talked about being in school and you had a teacher that was like, "You're an Mr. artist. Lux. You're going to be an artist." Yeah,
0: Mr. Lutz.
1: That having somebody outside of your family that recognized the greatness within you, how did that
0: feel? And that can that could see you. Yeah. And it, I think about, I say I got chills when I think about him now because, you know, when you're, I was that kid, you know, like mm. I was the quintessential, like everything's a show, you know what I mean? Like I was that child. I was walking around in like, you know, Dolly Parton from like the best little whorehouse in Texas, like yeah. slippers with the fur, you know, when I was like, you know, you know, fifth grade, this is just like who I was, you know. And um, when I got to middle school, I, you know, was doing like all the plays and the, taking theater classes, and Alice in Wonderland was a play. And I remember when they made me Alice, and I was like, oh, I'm Alice. That must be good. I must be good at this, you know. Yeah. And um, Mr. Letts, and in another kind of like theater class where we had to, it was like three of us. Had written different things, and then you had to figure out how to make that a performance piece. And I took everybody's pieces, and I was like, "This goes here, this goes here, this goes here, this goes here." Da 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 da. And you say this, that. Like I did the whole thing, and we performed it. And he stopped, and he said, "Gloria, do you know what you're going to be when you grow up?" And I was like, "No." He's like, "You're going to be an artist. You're going to be a performer, Mister Lutz." Years later, I'm in Cincinnati at some play, and I'm talking to this woman who's a stranger. And she said oh she's from pittsburgh he was like, Oh, i guy from pittsburgh and she's like where'd you grow up i said mount lebanon And she's like oh yeah my dad used to teach at mount lebanon high school and i was like really what's his name she said mr lutz and i just <laughs> weeping next to this woman she's like what i was like your dad let me tell you what happened in my you know eighth or ninth grade theater class with your dad and that like lined up with who I thought I was and not who, like, you know, my parents told me I was supposed to be, you know, like, because I was definitely supposed to be like a civil rights attorney. I was definitely supposed to be a lawyer on my way to being a judge by now. Like all those things was what uh, my family thought I was going to be. But I thought that I was something else.
1: I was supposed to be an evangelical
0: pastor. (laughs) Well, see, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) We line up with who we are. Exactly. (laughs) I love it.
1: Um, That's such a beautiful story because as artists, as queer people, as, you know, people in marginalized communities, we often don't get that encouragement, Mm -hmm. the validation. Absolutely. And for me, I found validation in being, making dirty jokes. So Uh I just Uh kind of went into it. Yeah. And I love your journey. Like, I love hearing those stories and really delving into it and you started comedy gosh
0: 20 years Uh, let's see 20 uh, 2006 so it's been 18 years yeah yep I moved to New York after grad school in 2003 and it took me a second like i written all the stuff and then just didn't do anything about it for a long time. So yeah, 2006 is when I started. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: So you were, this is so interesting to me because when I saw you, mm-hmm. I felt like you were, you had been doing it forever. And it, and apparently we started a couple of years apart. <laughs> yeah. That's, I love how you show up. You showed up with so much professionalism at the beginning of your career, and just killed it. Thank you. In, in my from my perspective, like you, like I just remember always thinking, "Oh my god, she's so funny. She's it's she's so authentic." What drove you to really show up with authenticity? Um,
0: you know, stand up happened it was like a side door for me in a way, because I'd gone to school for acting. And then when I got to New York, I was like, I don't like auditioning, which is like, <laughs> mm, how are you going to be, mm. <laughs> how are you going to be an actor and you don't like to audition? How that work? How that work? It doesn't work. <laughs> so, uh, I started directing theater, which is, you know, like I said, like my love. And, um, when, a person who I ended you know, like a, a cute girl told me that I was, that I should do stand up, you know, and that's and like, okay. So, uh, and years later when I started doing it, it was kind of a perfect lineup of all of the different things that I felt like I wanted to do. Like mm. I loved writing. I'd always been a writer. I loved directing and saying what goes where this needs to happen here. And I still, even though I didn't love auditioning, I still felt like I wanted that sunlight on my face. And so yeah. stand up was the perfect way to do that because it was more self-directed than acting and I got to talk about stuff that I wanted to talk about and I remember at first not being sure whether or not to be complete like like and and I remember saying to Julie Goldman like I've been thinking about doing stand-up she was doing a show at a theater that I worked in in New York and I remember talking to Julie after the show, being like, you know, I thought about doing stand-up, but I don't know the whole black lesbian thing. Like, how's that going to work? She's like, if you know Julie, that's the reason it works. Yeah. Like, that's your point of view. Like, there aren't a lot of people out there doing that right now. You should sure. just do that. <laughs> oh, okay. And that really helped me help me think through like how who I was going to be. I was just going to go ahead and be myself. I wasn't going to try to like not be queer or not acknowledge the things that I am. So yeah. that was super helpful at the time.
1: I feel like we're the same person <laughs> because the same kind of thing happened with me. I went to my friend, you know, Teddy Margus. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. So I went up to Teddy and I was like, he's like, you should be a stand-up comedian. I was like, I feel like I'm situationally funny. And he's like, but you can be funny, funny. <laughs> uh-huh. And he's like, I've seen you on okay. stage. Cause I was a show girl for a while. Mm-hmm. And after transitioning, being a showgirl didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, you know, if you just use your your femme voice that I, we all have, you don't even have to tell people that you're trans from stage. And I was like, but I have to tell people I'm trans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's who I am. It's part of my journey. And I love that.
0: Yeah. Your point of view. That's what yeah. stand-up gives you that, you know, Acting doesn't necessarily do. Like, that's the golden ticket right there. You being who you are, yeah. having your point of view, you know?
1: Yeah, I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, I am so glad you were able to join us. and I'm so glad you're on this planet.
0: Oh, thank you. My I just get you as well. No, let's do it. We could always go woo. Always. I, w- I
1: always will have you on, on <laughs> at a different time where we just woo out.
0: Like, <laughs> I'm down for that, for sure.
1: For Gloria, sure. it has been a pleasure to talk to you and catch up with you. Thanks Absolutely. for joining.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Of
1: course. So that has been all the time we have. I'm Dina Nina.
2: I'm Lalita D. Thank you for joining us.
1: You can find me on all the socials at Dina Nina XO.
2: And I am primarily on Instagram because God only knows what's happening on the Twitter, uh, where I was never super active anyway, at Lalita D Comedy.
1: And you can follow I Love Funny Women on all the social media at I Love Funny Women. And this has been an Artemis Bow Network production. Have a happy holiday. Happy
2: holidays. Recording ended.